Good morning. Good morning. Okay, listen, we're going to jump into uh, today's teaching, uh, and we are talking about walking with God in a world of uncertainty. But more importantly than that, we are still walking through our guiding word for mm -hmm. 2024. Uh, someone said, how long are you going to teach on this until everybody gets it? <laughs> we're going to be like a good school teacher. We're going to keep teaching it and teaching it and teaching it until everybody gets it. Why? Because it is what God has given us in order to help guide us through 2024. Uh, and it's important if you are a partner of this ministry, whether we are your local church, whether we are your sole virtual church, or whether we are part of the church, uh, a church is that you get fed from, that you understand that this is a mandate that God has given us in the same way he told the children of Israel how to live, how they could live and, and live a prosperous life. This is what he's told us. And so this morning, uh, I want us to just, just walk through this guiding word a little bit. We've been talking about the first part of it. Uh, if you were here with us on uh, Wednesday, you, you Pastor Ralph kind of talked about this second part of it that we've been talking about, and I'm going to do the same thing uh, on today. And so our guiding word starts off. The very first thing it says, it says that I am your father. He said, it says, I am your father and declare unto you that there has been a shift in the realm of the spirit. And these future days are the days that I have long prepared for you. It says the supernatural shall increase. And you, when, that, when we read the word shall, we're, we know that God's making a promise to us. God's saying, I'm promising you that the supernatural shall increase in every area of your life. And we've said that that supernatural is not necessarily the wonders we behold. It is the instruction God gives us that produces the wonders. Absolutely. It says, so prepare yourselves, for I have opened heaven gates wide for you. And those who believe and those who will receive, I'll begin to perform mighty acts on their behalf. It says there will be an increase of angelic assistance. There will be an increase of the miraculous. And my glory, says the Lord, shall manifest in different ways. That means we are, when we said that when we were reading this, we said, we made a declaration, said, God, we are open to what you want to do in our lives. God, we are open to what you want to do and we in just, our and lives. We just, we just kept declaring that because that was so important because we need to be open. Maybe God doesn't want to, maybe God doesn't want to do the same thing he's done in your life in other ways. Maybe he wants to do a new thing in your life because he knows there's new uh, things and new challenges coming your way. And so we got to be open to God doing new things. And then it says, uh, so prepare yourselves for you will be unable to explain it. My mighty works will be at hand and they will be marvelous. And now we just give we just give God for all of that. And we've we walked through that with scripture. We've talked about that. We've espoused on that. We've we've exegeted the scriptures around that. And we said, God, we receive this for our lives. For we 2024. receive this for our lives. We receive it. And so now we want to get into the second part of, of the prophetic word. Uh, that God's given us for 2024. And I think it's important because here we are in 2024. And if you pay attention to the news, you pay attention to the things that are happening in the world. And I know some Christians believe is that they can stick their head in the sand and just ignore it all. We don't happen to believe that. We believe that we listen to the news. We listen to articles. We listen to what the so-called experts say, because it gives us a directive of what to pray for. 
If they talking about how bad the economy is, we know we're praying and thanking God that we already have everything we need and that God's going to increase us even in a season where others may be decreasing. Amen. Amen. If they're talking about sickness and disease and, and new viruses coming around, then we know we get very strategic about praying for our health and declaring that by his stripes, we are already healed. Amen. And so we want to talk then this morning about how do we continue and make sure that we are walking with God when we live in a world that is full of uncertainty. And the truth of the matter is this world is full of uncertainty. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. The only thing you can count on is change. The only thing I mean, you like, can count on. You can count on God, but I'm saying in this, in this world, world, what you can be sure of is that things are going to change. Yes. And when we anchor ourselves with God, we can be stable in spite of what is changing. And when you use the word stable, it's such a good word because God actually tells us in this guiding word, he wants us to be stable. He wants us to be stable. Can you tell your neighbor God wants you to be stable? He doesn't want your life to be a life like you live on a roller coaster with ups and downs and twists and turns and upside down and, 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 and feeling nauseous at times with your life. God wants your life to be stable. You know, it, it reminds me that there used to be this song, um, sometimes up, sometimes down, some almost level to the ground. That is not the will of God for believers. No. It is the will of God for us to walk with him and to be able to be led by his spirit so that even when the world is crazy, God really models for us what he desires for us with when, when Moses is engaging Pharaoh. Yep. In spite of all of the plagues that are happening in Egypt, there is light in Goshen. The presence of the Lord for the believer should cause us to be in light, even when the world is filled with plagues. Mm -hmm. And so this is so important because we have the reason you said, somebody said, why do we keep going over this word? Well, one, this is a teaching ministry. Put this in the comments for the new people. This is a teaching ministry. And at Fellowship of Champions, we don't despise repetitive teaching. How did you learn your ABCs? Repetition. How did you learn multiplication? Repetition. The truth of it is, is that we have too many believers that know how to get high, but don't know how to walk in challenges. Mm -hmm. Right. And the truth of it is you don't live at church. I don't care how many church services you have. You do not live at church. You live in the real world. In the real world, you have bosses, you have kids, you have spouses, you have people who pull out in front of you. You have people who try to hack your account and run a scam and steal your money. You need to be stable and you need to have a word that keeps you calm even when you have a million reasons to be going crazy. You know, the Bible tells us that we have God's word that acts as an anchor for our soul. And I like the fact that it says for our soul it is our mind, will, emotions, imagination and intellect. He, your spirit, man, when you get born in your spirit, man, ain't tripping about what's going on in the world. Your spirit, man, is at rest. But it is your soul. It is the part of you that we interact with and know that can be uh, knocked off kilter by the things that happen in, in the world. It's why as a teaching ministry, we don't despise repetitive teaching because we understand that the word of God says that faith cometh. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, we are to keep hearing the word. So, so we don't come to church one time and get a word and feel like we can live the rest of our life without ever having to hear that word. We rehearse that word over and over and over until it gets so full in us that it's actually overflowing out of us. 
Absolutely. And one of our kids decided that what they wanted to work on this year is that they wanted to work on kindness. Mm. And so I sent them the word from mom and dad about supernatural kindness mm -hmm. right after they sent it to me. So this week, yesterday, I was saying to them, hey, I am really noticing you being intentional about kindness. And I think that's great. I said, do you have a scripture to stand on? They said to me, I have a decision. And I said, but without a scripture, you don't have an anchor when you don't want to do it. Right. I said, so if in my my recommendation to you, it is a great thing that you have decided to be kind. Mm -hmm. But I can assure you, life is going to give you an opportunity not to be kind. Mm -hmm. I say, you need to go and find at least one scripture that is the reason that you have made that decision. And then the scripture has to be bigger than your feelings. Yeah. And the kid went and did it, came back, said, here are my two scriptures. I said, so every day when you are meditating on you being kind, you have to attach your decision to be kind to this word. And I think that's a thing a lot of believers miss. Yeah. I think it's like if we're if we're going for health, if we're going for wealth, if we're going for a healthy marriage, we will say, I've made this decision. This is on my vision board. This is our plan. But what is the word that anchors me when life challenges that? Such a powerful idea, such a powerful concept, because when we make the decision, we make the decision to do something, we have to invoke willpower in order to sustain that's good but when we it, but when we are doing what we're doing based on a word from god now we get the holy spirit's power yes he's the paraclete he's the teacher he's the one who will lead us and guide us into all truth and understanding so when when you when you just make a decision that's good but that is willpower and willpower being invoked can only take you so far it'll only take you as far as your will but your will, oh, but your will can be bent by circumstances. But when you do something based on the word of God, now you have the power and the backing of heaven that will not allow your will to be broken because of the word. So the question I want to ask you is that as we think about what God desires to do in our lives this year, are you anchored to a word or are you just anchored to a dream? Yeah. Which is why we keep teaching this guiding word with scripture. With scripture. We, we don't just read the guiding word. We come back and teach parts of this guiding word with scripture. Why? Because you need to know this is what God desires for you. And here is the word that anchors it for you. So when you don't see it happening, when when all of all of hell is telling you that it won't happen for you, when the world is showing you why it won't happen, you have to have a word that says, nope, I'm going to keep going because God said this. And here is in his word how it's backed up. No, this is so good because we were talking the other day about um, our weight loss journey. Right. And this is the first time that I have attached losing weight to a word. Mm. Specifically, it's not just uh, do I want to be healthy? Do I want to look good in my clothes? Yeah, all of that. But specifically, there are two words that um, I have that that really anchor me. And one is that God wants me to prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. And the other one is that he will renew our youth. Those are one of the, the benefits that he will renew our youth. 
Now, let me tell you, this is so wonderful. My cousin AJ sent me a message the other day. He said, literally, you and Strick look like time is going backwards. He said, how do you look younger this year than you did last year? He said, I was just looking at a picture of y'all last year. You actually look younger. And I said, this is the word coming to pass because this is not just about me eating better. It is why I am eating better. It is not just about me walking. It is about why I am walking. And I realized that my failure in the past before has been my goal to lose weight was attached to my wheel. Yep. So when my wheel wanted brownie fudge Sundays, that's yep. what I went and got. Yep. And you've got to anchor yourself bigger to something bigger than yourself and the thing that is bigger than yourself and can sustain in every life challenge is the word of God. Can y'all put in the comments, exalt the word of God. Exalt the, exalt word, of the God. word of God. Amen. So we were talking about this idea of being stable. So being stable. we want to talk about the next couple of lines that we find in the 2024 uh, guiding word, right? It starts off by saying this. It says, stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world. Now think about that. Think about that. He tells us all of these wonderful things, right? That we can look for. The supernatural is going to increase. Angelic assistance is going to increase. I am your father in covenant. He tells us all these things, but then notice he says, stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world. Now you have to understand when God gives you a word like this and he says, stay calm, you go, why don't he stay calm? Well, he sees something we don't see. He sees something coming. He knows what, what, what is to be holding in these next 365 days span from January 1st to December 31st. He knows what's going to happen. And notice what he says to us. He gives us a command. And what is that command? To stay calm. How do I stay calm? Because I stay rooted in the word. He says, stay calm. And then what I like is the one little phrase. I've got you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is important. He says, stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world. I've got you. Mm -hmm. I think we have to put more emphasis on that. Mm. Yes, these things are happening in the world, but God has me. Yes. And then he says, stay calm no matter what you see, notice happening in the world. I got you. I've got you. And, and all shall be well. So he connected that. I got you. And because I got you, all, all, shall, be, shall, be well. all shall be well. All shall be well. Yeah. Right? Now, I think that this is really important. And I've really hung out in these three sentences. And I think that sometimes people go too fast and they don't get the word anchored in their heart. So one of the things that like in the beginning of it, it tells us this is our father in covenant. He has prepared for some things to happen in our lives. I, then he tells us to stay calm. I think this is what we have to be aware of. God has planned good things for all his children mm -hmm. this year. There are still going to be things that are happening in the world. The enemy wants to use those things to get you distracted. I was saying something the other day, and it's probably going to seem a little insensitive to you, um, but it is really something that we learn from the Lord Jesus Christ about staying focused on the vision of God. Somebody sent me a message and they were talking about there was this big case at, at a university about a woman who had committed suicide. And um, somebody sent me a message and they were like, this breaks my heart. 
So my first question is, do you know this person? Like, do you have an intimate reason to be thrown off kilter? And the, they were like, no, I don't know the person. And I said, it is important that we learn to be empathetic to the things that are happening to other people without getting distracted from our goals. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things that you really taught me, that you really taught me that when God has told me we're going to the other side, that I can not only not let things that are happening to me get me off course, I cannot let things that are happening to other people get me off course. Doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean I don't care. But here's the reality. At this point, I can't do anything about it. I don't have any influence at that university to do anything. I don't have a connection there. I don't have an assignment there. I don't know the family. So what is spending hours reading the story going to do except take me off course, which is going to help me to be a person who is chaotic in chaos. And the last thing I need to do is to be chaotic in chaos when God is trying to anchor me so all shall be well. Yeah. I know that make a lot of sense to you, but I want that to make sense to the people because do you see what I'm saying? That that happens to people a lot, that God says, this is where I want you to go. And then even if it's not something happening to you, it's all this stuff that's happening around you and now you're off course. Yeah, it's a distraction of the enemy, uh, what it really is. And the reason I say this is a distraction of the enemy is because you have to become, as a, as a born again believer, you have to understand and pay attention to what you actually have control over and what you don't have control over. You need to not spend your time in that arena because all it does is strips you of spending time in the area where you do have control. Oh, that's good. Can, what? Slow down, because I won't say that again. Yeah, I think it's a simple it's a simple thing that we, and I'm not trying to be funny. We actually teach young children, kindergartners, first and second graders this. You need to control. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You, you need to control what you can control. If your classmate is doing something and you're not the teacher, don't get distracted from your work because your classmate's doing something. You control what you can control. And what you can't control, don't spend time focusing on that because then you won't control what you can. You, you can control getting your work done, okay? You can't control two people over there talking when the teacher said don't be talking. But most people will see those two people talking and try to police those two people and not spend the time doing what they're supposed to do to get their work done. It's what Christians do. God gives them a word. God gives them a strategy. God gives them a plan. But then they get so distracted in what somebody else is doing. What somebody else is seeing, what somebody else is talking about. The, literally the other day, I have these people who I follow on Facebook and they started down this path where literally they're, 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 they're growing, they're following because they're spending time talking about other preachers. And I got ready to engage with them about why I thought that was wrong. And the Lord said, you're not going to change their mind. And I said, well, if I'm not going to change your mind, ain't no sense in me spending time doing that. I got other stuff I need to be working on. So what did I do? I controlled my environment. How did I control my environment? Unfriend. Talk about block, it. Talk about it. Because talk I don't want to see that in my timeline. I don't want to see your, your daily videos talking about other pastors. I can't make you stop doing it. I don't have the authority to make you stop, but I can control what I can control. What can I, can, what can I control? Seeing it? If I can't see it, I can't respond to it. So I control it. Block, unfriend. There you go. 
But I don't, I don't have time to get distracted. Why? I need to be staying calm no matter what I see happening and noticing around me. And what I wonder, I wonder how many times we have missed the instruction that God would give us that would cause us to be successful because we're over here venting about something we have no control over. And I actually think we don't miss it. I think we get it. Then the distraction comes. Oh, now that's good. Because a word that you get that you don't walk out is dead on the vine. No, because the Bible says that when you receive the word, the enemy comes quickly, immediately yes. to take, to steal away he the word that to you heard. steal the word. So can y'all see that? God gives you an instruction. He says, we're going to the other side. This is what I'm doing for you. Let's take something as simple as this. God says to you, I want you to get that weight off and I want you to eat better. Have you noticed that every time you get ready to walk, somebody has an emergency? That is a distraction. It is a distraction. And then before you know it, you've gone four days and you haven't walked at all. And then your head is hurting more than it was. And now you don't have the ability to work on the thing that God told you to work on. And when you were talking about what we teach kids, it's not that kids aren't taught this. It's that as we grow up, we think it doesn't apply to us. Because I'm sure every one of us can remember a time in school that somebody said, some teacher said, keep your eyes on your own paper. Some teacher told you. Worry about yourself. Your own business, worry about to worry yourself. about yourself. And we think that we're being good, noble people. And in fact, we're being undisciplined people when we operate that way. I remember years ago, Chase used to say this, focus on your focus. Everybody put this in the comments. I focus on my focus. I focus on my focus. Now, what does that mean if something comes up that I'm concerned about? It's a very simple question. It's the question we ask for everything. What did God say? God, what do you want me to do about this? Do He said to you, he let you know, I don't want you to do nothing about this right here. You don't have any influence to do anything. Mm -hmm. Nobody here is open to what you're saying. Yep. How many times have you, I, I know I'm certainly guilty of it. How many times have you jumped in something, gotten into a family discuss argument, a Facebook argument, a TikTok argument, or just ended up on the phone venting with your friend about something. I love, Sinitra said it earlier, she says the circle of control, something outside of the circle of your control, and you wasted time instead of doing the thing God told you to do. Yeah, we've all been guilty. We've all been guilty. So we want to grow up in this area. Yes. And the way that we're going to do it is that we're going to focus on what the Lord is telling us to do so that we can remain stable, yes. right? Yes. So he says, stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world. I've got you and all shall be well. I've decided long ago that this time shall appear a time for my glory to be near. So as you walk, do it with joy and peace. One of the things that helps us keep our joy and peace, you told us this, I think it was two, year, two years ago. You told us we have to tame our thoughts. Mm -hmm. We have to tame our tongue. Yep. We have to tame our temperament and we have to tame our team. Yep. I think we need to understand that the team is not just the people we get on the phone with. The team is also the people we're letting be in our social media threads. Mm -hmm. it, it is not just the people who could call you. It is the people that you are letting grab your attention. He says, if you do this, focus on what I'm saying so you can walk with joy and peace. 
for my supernatural will escort you through the heat. You do not have to worry about defeat for my supernatural will escort you through the battle. You will, you'll not have to be concerned about the financial problems that will be forecast for my supernatural will provide you both seed and bread. Amen. When I read this part of the guiding word, what keeps coming back to me is discipline and focus. I don't have time to worry about the thing. First of all, I shouldn't worry about anything, mm -hmm. but I certainly don't have time to worry about the things that are outside my realm of control. Yeah. And so part of this teaching this morning is centered around three points. The first one is this idea that we need to learn to remain calm in times of chaos. If you don't, you we can't say, we can't come to church and declare it's already done. And then when chaos shows up, act like it's not done. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All of his ways. All of his ways. He said, in fact, he goes on to say, let not this man think he shall receive anything from God. Anything. So we got to make sure that we're not being double-minded in the sense that we are happy when circumstances are um, good for us. But then when circumstances may not appear as as beneficial, we're questioning God and wondering whether we heard God and all of these other things. What we have to do is learn to remain calm in chaos. Now, we find ourselves living in a world that often seems to be spinning out of control. If you just look at the world, we were laughing the other day because we were sharing some TikToks with each other and we were like, OK, this generation. And I know we may sound like the old man screaming, get off my lawn. But this generation that we are seeing is younger than us, early, late teens to early 30s. They are different in their thinking than we are. I'll just say it like that. And if you're That's not careful, some of the things that they're saying and doing, you like, are these the people who are going to be leading us in the future? Because this doesn't seem right. OK, <laughs> you know, if you read the newspaper, if you watch the news, uh, a lot of people don't now. They got cable TV and so they only watch, you know happy things they only watch reality things that's fine but if you're looking at the news you see all the unrest is going on in the world do you know we actually have more war wars taking place right now in in the world than we've ever had in our in our history i'm not surprised there are more and, and why do i say that because the bible talks about wars and what rumors, rumors of wars. wars and we actually have more of those going on now you, you you talk about you look at our economies the world economies not even just the u.s economy and literally I mean, they're being propped up with debt. They're being propped up with things that aren't even real. The dollar bill is, is losing its value every day uh, when you look at in terms of how inflation is impacting that dollar, right? So you can look at all of these different things. You can look in our in our natural world. We, we're having, uh, people was laughing because they was calling it a, a, a thunder, a snow thundering tornado shower, you know, and all these different things that we see different weather patterns happening in parts of the world that we've never seen before. So if you just look at all of that stuff, you could become overwhelmed with the chaos that's going on in the world. But I keep going back for me to that guiding word that no matter, and I've made the decision, no matter what happens this year, I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to stay calm because the word says, no matter what I see happening, he's got me. And because he's got me, all shall be well.
So I'm going to tell on myself because I'm using this word right here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell on myself. My kid said to me that when I see them arguing, that I sometimes escalated trying to resolve it. I don't know if any other parents can relate, but I thought about what they said. And I made an intentional move. I made this intentional decision. In fact, my kid said to me, we are old enough to resolve our conflicts without you intervening. Say less. The, yesterday, you and Kana were in the kitchen doing that thing where y'all playing and bickering back and forth. Normally, my pattern is to say, what are they doing in there? I heard them in there and I said, well, I guess they all right in there. And if they not, and we were, and if they not, I guess they'll say something. And if they don't say something, you know what I'm going to do? Not say anything. When I came in the kitchen and Kana started telling me the story, I'm listening to y'all. And I'm like thinking, you know what? This is one of those moments. And if I start talking, they're going to then turn around and say to me that I don't even understand that they're playing. Do you know what I'm going to do? Take my tail back to my office and mind my own business. I am going to stay calm in chaos. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. No matter, no, do no matter what you see happy, because you could have seen that as chaos, even though it wasn't. But stay, the word says to stay calm, but no matter when, what you see. Happen. But even when Canaan attempted to pull me in, said this is what dad said, you said this is what happened, I went, I literally said, not my monkey, not my circus. Let me go on back to my office. I think more people need to do that, actually. I think I, more people need to practice learning to do that. Now, who can relate that you need to practice doing that? Who can relate that when people you love have something going on, that sometimes you're jumping in. You're not you're, staying calm. You're not because because you're because if you're honest, you're I don't like the idea of my kids fighting. I don't like the idea of them not getting along. So I jump myself in trying to fix it. And then I end up making it worse. God didn't tell me to jump in. I didn't pause before I jumped in. So you know what I'm working on moving forward? I'm going to mind my own. Listen, all these mamas. I don't know if it's more a mama thing than a daddy thing. But what I'm going to do is I am going to practice keeping my voice quiet until the Lord is telling me to say something. Come on, mamas, any, any other mamas coming with me? But that requires another level of discipline. That requires a belief that you really do believe that all shall be well. Yeah. All right. It's a, it's, it's a matter of living in God's peace. And, and that kind of peace doesn't come when you just look at things through a natural eye. You have to look at them through a spiritual eye. What is God saying about this situation? What is God telling you? And like you said, it's not that God even told you to get involved sometimes. Sometimes you're getting involved because you have a desire to fix. You have a desire to not see a breach in a relationship. But but sometimes, but sometimes, But we have to learn, especially in this season, God's given us a word to stay calm. We're talking about staying calm in the midst of chaos. Sometimes that means focusing on your focus and not on everything that's going on around you. Let me tell you what the Lord just said as you were talking. I get involved out of fear. Mm -hmm. I, I want somebody else to come on and take this journey with me. I get involved out of fear. The reality of it is I am not particularly close to my siblings. You are not particularly close to your sibling. We want it our sibling, our children to be very close. 
when I sent something that suggests to me that they could not be close, I respond out of fear. I actually do not. Um, I actually don't give God a chance to speak to them. And one of my kids actually said to me, you have got to trust that the word you put in us works, even if it takes longer than you want it to. Mm -hmm. Well, child. Well, child. Yeah. So, so I'm practicing. That is an area this year that I am holding myself accountable to practice staying calm. Am I saying something? Am I saying something to my husband, to my kids, to my friends, to my inner circle? Am I saying it because God really told me to? Or am I moved by fear? Because if I am moved by fear, I am not being calm and I am headed into chaos. And even though my intention is well, I am probably going to add more chaos to the chaos that exists. Mm -hmm. So who's growing with me? Just say, I'm with you, Pastor Sean. Oh, well, where are you go going ahead. to? Go ahead. You, oh. you jump somewhere? Go ahead. I, no, this is, I didn't jump somewhere else. It's okay. This is actually tied to it. Okay, go ahead. Stay calm no matter what you notice happening. Yeah. I got you and I am with you. I just need to know. I know that moms can really relate to this. This type of peace is based on God, not our circumstances. This piece is the piece that anchors our soul. What he's saying is stop letting your soul be anchored by what you see, be anchored by what I said, even when what you see is the thing you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 6 and 19 says this. It says we have this hope. What hope? That God is with us. What hope? That God's word is true. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. What's our soul? Our mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. We have this hope as an anchor for our mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination, firm and secure. Now you read it in the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation says it like this. It says, now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It says it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. It is a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Now, if you go right from there into Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the Passion Translation, man, this is so good to me. I'm getting my whole life changed right now. Because we know that in the in the in the other translation we always read out of it says it like this. It says uh it it, it says um don't worry about don't worry about anything. Uh, tell God. It's, don't worry about anything. What is it? Praise God. Tell God what you want. I forget how it's worded. It's your favorite scripture. You can't. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been reading out of the passing translation all week, and so now I don't. It says, "Don't worry about anything. Thank God for everything. Uh, tell God what you tell God. Give God. Tell God what you need. Give Him praise, and then everything else, the grace of God will flood your life. This is so good. <laughs> now look at this. It says. Don't be pulled in different directions. Mm -hmm. See, because this is a teaching ministry, I think that it's important that we're able to say that sometimes it may not be social media that's pulling you in a different direction. It's your kids. 
It's your job. It's your spouse. It's someone you love. But this scripture says, don't be pulled in different directions. How many of you can acknowledge that you can see that the strategy of the enemy is to use someone or something that you care about to pull you in a direction different than what God said? If you can see that, say, I can see that. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Mm -hmm. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God, overflowing with gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, and then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. This is what God is saying to us. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. And thank you for all he's doing. Now, this is what <laughs> it looks like for me in terms of our kids. God, you showed me a family where my kids got along. I got to be honest. It makes me nervous when I see my kids demonstrating tendencies that reminds me of how I grew up. But I trust that your word is at work. So give me what to say and when not to say, and I thank you for working on their hearts. Mm -hmm. I thank you that it's already done. This is how we take already done and actually apply it, right? Yeah. It means to saturate ourselves, to immerse ourselves, and to drench ourselves in what God said, mm -hmm. not what we see. Yep. It is the ability to look at a situation that is chaotic and say to that situation, this situation is what God says. God's word concerning this situation is what will prevail. Not to get all antsy and get all frustrated and get all stressed out like I got the power to make my adult kids do anything. Yeah, and that, that, that peace, I'm that kind myself. of peace, it doesn't make sense in the natural. It, doesn't. it only makes sense when you understand the promise that God has provided. So if God has given you a glimpse and God has shown you what he what 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 is to be for your kids, that has to become more of your reality than the fear of what it, of it not happening. But if you think about it, that's exactly what God did with our marriage. Mm -hmm. He says, stop looking at your marriage based on what you can see and look on your at your marriage based on what I say, mm -hmm. and then start responding to each other as though you already have yep. that. If you And when we started doing that, transformation came. So I've got to start responding on my job based on what God said, not based on what the people are doing. Yep. I've got to start responding in my finances based on what God said, yep. not what I can see. Yep. I've got to respond to my health based on what God said, not what the doctor diagnosed. I've got to tell God what I need. I've got to trust God to show me the way. And then I've got to stick with God. Tell your neighbor, say stick with God. Stick with God. Stick with God. This is what the apostle Paul was saying to the church at Rome Ooh. when he when he wrote to them in Romans, the 15th chapter, the 13th verse, if we have the Passion Translation, he says, now, after he literally said what you just said, he says, now may God, the fountain of hope, this is where hope comes from, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as, as you trust in him. He says, and may the power of the Holy Spirit 
continually surrounds your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. Mm. Now think, just think about what he's saying to them. He says, now may God, who is the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you continuously trust in him. He says, and then may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with this super abundance until you just radiate with hope. What is that hope? It's that anchor for the soul. You got to get that word in you that will produce that hope in you so that you don't respond in fear when fearful situations show up. That's so good. You have something in your notes that I think is worth reading. Um, it, it's just hitting me differently this morning than last night. Um this means that every detail of our lives, mm -hmm. every worry about tomorrow, and every fear that tries to grip our hearts can be laid before him in exchange. He offers us a peace that transcends human understanding. I want to give everybody an opportunity yeah. right now. That's what Paul was I saying. want you to think about every detail, everything that tries to grip your heart. And I want you right now to lay it before the Lord. I want you to just call it out before the Lord. I'm aware that this tries to grip my heart. I'm aware that that tries to grip my heart. I'm aware that this thing tries to grip my heart. And today I am making an exchange. Every detail. Don't try to manage the little details. Don't try to just give him the big details. Don't try to handle the things you think you have handled before. Every detail of our lives, every worry about tomorrow or today, every fear that tries to grip our hearts. I believe right now in this moment, God is showing us how to get fear for to ungrip our hearts, mm -hmm. to stop gripping our hearts. So in this moment right now, I am asking you to give your um to give your fears, mm -hmm. your your challenges to the Lord right now. You may not be able to put them all in the comments, but I want you to open your mouth and I want you to say them out loud to him. I bring my fear of finances to you. I bring this fear regarding health to you. I bring this fear that I'm always going to be alone to you. I bring this fear that I'm never going to have good friends. Whatever it is, you need to bring it to him and you need to make an exchange. Yeah. And then you need to practice doing that every time that same fear tries to come back up. And we have to remember, God has not been caught off guard. So whatever fears, whatever worries, whatever distractions tried to come into our life, God already knew that. And it is the same word that Paul gave to the church at Rome that God has given to us today. And that is that, is that God will fill us with hope. But God uses his word to fill us with hope. So if we become deficient in word, if we become anorexic on the word of mm. God, then we will not be able to sustain the hope that is necessary in the face of what the world throws at us because we will be word deficient. And when you are word deficient, you cannot live your life the way you're supposed to be. But when you aren't word deficient, it gives you power and authority and ability above what you could ever think. It is the reason that we find in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, in the CEV version, it says this. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, notice what he says. That's This is authority speak here. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whether you whatever you forbid on earth 
will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Jesus' promise of the keys of the kingdom of heaven symbolizes authority. He says, listen, once you get hope, you can maintain your authority. It's the reason, if you think about it, and you go way back to Genesis, the reason that the enemy was able to trick Adam and Eve for giving up their authority is because he gave them hope for something else that they thought they needed. He told them that if you eat this fruit, the Lord knows or God knows that you will be as wise as he is. They had a hope to be as wise as he is, so they took the bait. What is Satan's bait for your life? What is Satan's bait for your life? What is Satan baiting you with? And, and, and you're taking the bait when you don't realize you already have the authority to bind everything you need to bind and to lose everything you need to lose. Well, this reminds me of two scriptures. The scripture where it says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. The truth of it is, is that as we grow in our desire to please God, we're not being pulled out with sexual sin. We're not being pulled out with drugs. We are being pulled out by the things we aren't giving to God. We are being pulled out by things that actually seem good. It's good to want a good mm -hmm. marriage. It's good to want to be financially secure. It's good to want your kids to get along in every situation. The challenge is we're being led by fear. But then the scripture tells us in John 14, it says, let not your heart be troubled. Mm -hmm. That means I have control over what troubles my heart. Can you put that in the comments? Yeah. I have control over what troubles my heart. What is going to trouble my heart? What I give attention to. So when I give attention to the money troubles instead of God's provision, the money troubles are going to trouble my heart. So I have the power to then bind fear, bind anxiety, bind lack, bind unrest. I can bind all of those. And because God will give me, has given me the keys to the kingdom of heaven and that whatsoever I bind on earth is also the same thing that's bound in heaven, then that means I can bind those things and not have them impact my life. But I think that in the church, we thought that meant saying it. I bind fear. I think I think that that is the way it came across for us, even if people didn't teach it that way. I see that as being a big disconnect that we think that we're binding it because we say I bind it in Jesus name instead of binding the thoughts that are actually creating the trouble. Because the binding, and I'm going to say this, I'm gonna let me say this the right way. Help the us. binding has the binding of fear, the binding of lack the binding of unrest, the binding of bad health. Saying it is great, but the binding is not an external binding. It's an internal binding first. Mm, help us. The Bible says that this body we have is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to bind it inside first. How do you bind it inside? You have to have the word. The Bible tells us that a threefold cord cannot easily be cut. It becomes a stronghold. When I bind it, I create a stronghold against fear. I create a, strong, a stronghold Ooh, against good. anxiety. I create a stronghold against lack. I create a stronghold against sickness and disease. When it's bound here and then the word that's in me is, 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 is connected with that, it creates a stronghold that heaven backs because heaven backs the word. Just saying I bind something doesn't do anything. 
you actually have to bind it internally. And the only way to bind anything internally is through the word. The Bible says we are washed and regenerated through the word. That's really good. Now, here's a scripture that adds <coughs> and confirms to what you're saying. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us to cast down imaginations. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you're saying, you saying that when we are binding something, we can know that we are binding it because we are actually casting down within ourselves whatever is contradicting God. I hear you saying we need to cast it down internally and what we say externally should be the result of what we have casted down internally. As we cast it down internally, we are literally wrapping fear up yes. with the word of God so we can then do First John, which is cast it out. It, what yes. we've been trying to do is to do it in the reverse. We have been trying to convince ourselves by saying out loud what we have not settled for us ourselves internally. Mm -hmm. and, and, then, and that's the trouble. And then we stand on, we stand on the promise God gave us in Matthew 18 and 18. Because in Matthew 18 and 18 in the CEV, he says, I promise you that God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth, but he will not allow anything that you don't allow. So if you don't allow sickness, God won't allow it. If you don't allow fear, he won't allow it. You don't allow depression, he won't allow it. You don't allow sickness and disease, he won't allow it. You don't allow chaos and confusion, he won't allow it. But what are you allowing inside of you? How are you using God's word to literally create your life, to build your life? Our life, our, our life is built with our words, not just what we say externally. What are you saying internally? Is this helping you guys? If this is helping you, um, put in the comments. Give us one of your takeaways. But this Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. So you got to get full in here first before you start saying, I bind sickness. Have you bound it inside first? What does the word say about sickness? It says, by his stripes I am healed. Have I, have I gotten that in my heart first? Because if I have, now I can declare it out of my mouth and have it actually mean something. And here is something that I don't mean to be insensitive, but I think but I think this is a really good illustration of what you mean. A lot of times when people are supporting someone they love who has a cancer diagnosis, you will see them say, I hate cancer. Yeah. They are focused on their hatred of cancer and not God's healing. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they're in fight mode. But they actually are not fighting with something that will bring them victory. Bob, so we fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. And you don't fight against principalities, which are from the realm of hate, with hate. <laughs> so you can't hate something and then try to fight hate with hate. It's like you said, can Bezalbub cast out Bezalbub? No. You so, was in your bag so today. So we, we just have to make sure that we're doing things. Not that seem right in the natural, but that are aligned to scripture. But even when we, when you see, when it goes back full circle to the conversation that you were talking about, pastors who are building their platform, exposing and talking about other pastors. Not even exposing, right? just, just, just talking about other but pastors. But that is, they're trying to, there's something they don't like, and they're trying to use hate to overcome it. We see people say this. I hate that this happens in the body of Christ, but I love what you just said and what Pastor Chandra just said. Hate is not a spiritual weapon. It's not a spiritual weapon that we want to use. It is a spiritual weapon. And if we use it, we just release more of hell into the situation. Mm -hmm. Guys, is this helping y'all? Is this helping y'all?
So as we do this, what does this help us do? It moves us to point two. Now we can count it all joy. Mm -hmm. We can walk with joy and peace because as we begin to use the word to bind imaginations and to lift up what God said, then now joy begins to anchor us because the word is anchoring us and the word has joy in mm -hmm. this, right? You know, the Bible tells us in Nehemiah 8 and 10 that the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. It's our strength. Now, we understand that we're not talking about faking emotions here. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being anchored in a joy that transcends immediate circumstances. Mm. We're talking about being able that even in the most desperate of times, still being at peace and knowing that your God is good. That kind of joy, the kind of joy that Nehemiah talks about when it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Why? Because joy is contagious. And because joy is contagious, when I begin to think about how good God is, it doesn't just stay in one area of my life. I good. begin to think about all the things that God has done for me. And even though I may be suffering something that is traumatic, something that is sad, something I didn't expect, I mean, I got sucker punched. I understand that in the biblical context, peace is not just the absence of conflict. Teach us. Peace is just not the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness and completeness. It is a concept that's encapsulated in the Hebrew word shalom. The word we've just been talking about, peace. That word peace means what? Nothing missing and nothing broken. Jesus is the prince of, of peace. peace. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then he imparts this peace to us. That's why the Bible says that we would be full of this hope. Because when we get full of hope, then we feel the peace of God, which is having nothing missing, nothing broken, even when the world says everything is missing and broken around us. That's so good because I think I see a lot of women who say um, I'm protecting my peace and they mm -hmm. mean cutting people off. Mm -hmm. But peace is actually a person. Yes. It is the person of the Lord yes. Jesus Christ. I can cut off everybody and still be still tormented at home right. because I am not protecting my peace unless I am protecting the word that God has made available to me. I am not protecting my peace because I have gone to the spa. I am not protecting my peace because I have stopped answering people's phone calls. I am protecting my peace because I am guarding the word of God regarding my situation. Hear me when I say this. When believers maintain their peace in their heart, they testify to the trust they have in God's sovereignty. You know that God, you know your God is real. You know you believe when when when, when something happens. This just whatever you can consider tragic, but you still have that peace. Nothing comes up in you that you want to blame God for. Nothing comes up in you that you say this word ain't real. You have such a solidified trust in God that when you can maintain that peace in your heart in the midst of chaos, because that's what we were talking about, remaining calm in chaos, because the guiding word told us to stay calm. No matter what we see happening around us, right, in this world. When you learn to do that, there's a peace that overcomes you that allows you to transcend any problem you're facing. And I think that's so true. And I think one of the great examples that we walk where we walk this out, where this became real to us, is during the 2018 market crash mm -hmm. when you lost your job. Yep. And we were believing God 
um, for some money to come through for us to be able to pay the mortgage. And back then, I mean, the same is true now that if you miss one mortgage, they now want two before they will take the first one. Right. And we were literally down to the wire. We but nobody knew it. And the reason that nobody knew it is because we were sure that God was going to come through. Mm -hmm. And what we did was and I think that this is an important thing. I am for asking for help if you need help. But I think the mistake that people make is they bring people to the table whose faith isn't any stronger than mm -hmm. theirs. Mm -hmm. And I don't need you to help me worry. Now, I just preach the word. Now, somebody just tell that I, I don't need you to help me worry. And I think a lot of times when people are in a traumatic situation, they can't balance when they should say something or who they should say something to. So they either end up not saying anything and suffering or they end up telling somebody who doesn't have any more faith than they have. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to help me worry. So when we were walking in that situation, God told us he had told us before we ever got to that point because we had allowed so many people to live for us. He said, you will always have a place. Yep. When we were going through, I said to the Lord, do you want us to sell the house? The Lord said, you do not have to sell this house unless you want to. Do you want to? I said, I do not want to. I want all my kids to grow up in this house. He says, it's a done deal. Now, God is telling me it's a done deal, but you don't have a job right now. The money that we're waiting on hasn't shown up right now. And the mortgage company is saying to us that if we don't pay, what is it? It gets to be three mortgages, doesn't it? Yeah, because we didn't we were we didn't pay one. We were, they wanted two. We were getting they said if we didn't pay them the two, we had the one. But if we didn't pay them the two, then it was going to be three. And at three, they would start foreclosure proceedings. So now we need three mortgages. And we don't know where the money is coming from, but we know what God said. We also weren't panicked. We weren't panicked. We didn't tell anybody. Because what's the point in telling somebody when God already said he, when God already told you what he was going to do for you. And when the enemy tried to whisper to either one of us, the other one would say, you know what God said. Yeah. Come here. Give me a hug. You know what God said. Yeah. It's already a done deal. Yeah. And can I tell you, that the mortgage was due the next day and somebody came to our house, knocked on our door and said, I know you're going to think this is strange, but God told me to bring you X amount of dollars. And it was the exact amount with the late fees that we needed yeah. to pay the mortgage. Yeah. And can I also tell you this? We've never been behind again. Yeah. We have never been behind again. And the truth of it is, I want to say this, that sometimes we want someone else to accelerate the journey that is supposed to give us faith in God. And it reminds me of like the butterfly in the cocoon. And you've seen this story where this man wants to help the butterfly get out of the cocoon. And by helping the butterfly get out of the cocoon, he actually kills the butterfly mm -hmm. because what the butterfly needed came from him breaking his way out of the cocoon. At some point, this is what we even tell our kids, you have to learn how to stand with God you for yourself. You do. 
Thank God for all the people who will stand with you. But you got to learn how to stand. If your husband don't, if your mama don't, if your kids don't, you've got to learn to stand in the time. Now, the truth of it. And nobody, nobody enjoys the tough times. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody enjoys the uncertainty. Nobody. Nobody enjoys the 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 anxiety that exists in the world that tries to get on you when when certain things need to get done but if you never learn to walk through those things you it would be like it would it would literally be like you trying to let a baby walk and every time the baby got ready to take a step you pick the baby up mm. now could you imagine doing that and this baby never being able to strengthen their legs never being able to get their balance and now this baby is six and can't walk because you've been assisting, you didn't let the trouble fortify the person to be able to overcome the trouble. And so nobody enjoys it, but you have to learn to walk with God in this world of uncertainty if you want to be able to walk with God in uncertainty. No, that's <laughs> You so have good. to learn to do it. You have to learn how to anchor your soul. You have to learn how to give praise anyway. You have to learn how to sow the seed anyway. You got to use the you word of God learn. to quiet your mind. You got to learn, you how, to learn quiet how to your mind. It. Because here's the thing. And it's because not just about meditation. I'm, and I say to people all the time, it's not just quieting your mind. Because you quiet your mind. When you get through quieting your mind, the, the, the problem going to still be there. You need to quieten your mind with the word. Because the word will bring peace to you. Because Jesus is the prince of peace. And the enemy is the prince of this world. And you need peace to overcome this world. Absolutely. Tell your neighbor, say, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. And then number three that we just told you about in this testimony. Yeah. We embrace God's supernatural provision. Amen. We didn't know where God was going to bring that mortgage from, but we knew. And I just want to bring you an updated testimony. We have a young lady who's a virtual partner and she was in a situation. She runs a business. And during Christmas time, people did not pay the invoices. Her car actually got repossessed. She only was $6,000 from paying off the car and the car got repossessed. She reached out. I said, what did God say? She said, God said, that is my car. I said, do not let go of your faith. Y'all, they have taken the car. But she didn't let go of her faith. But she didn't let go of her faith. The people start talking to her and they start working the number down. Somebody pays the invoice. By the time they the invoice pay, that they owed her, they, the invoice that they owed her. By the time the person pays the invoice, the company has worked down what she owes to get the car from six thousand to thirty nine hundred dollars. She gets her car back for thirty nine hundred dollars, and now it's paid for. God is an ever present help. I know the other, all Somebody the, the, other the other part says in times of trouble. I just like that he's an ever present. He's help. an ever present help. <laughs> he's an ever present help. Do y'all understand that most people, when they took the car, think it's over? Yeah. Most people think when they take the car, it's over. Because when you embrace God's supernatural provision, you have to understand that his provision is not limited by what we see. So even if they took the car, if, if God said it's, it's your car, it doesn't stop what God said unless you agree that it stops what God says. And this is how strong her faith was. 
she was like, even if they auction the car, I'm going to the auction and buy my car back because I know what God said. There has to be some resoluteness that allows us to experience the provision of God. And because she was willing to walk that thing out, what would have cost her $6,000 had it never been repossessed, she got it back for $3,900 and had it paid off. Somebody say glory to God. Now, now think about that. She owed six on she it. She owed six. If she just took six and paid it off, it would have been her car. But instead, they took the car. Now she's got to use her faith. Her faith produced for her what the natural would have never done for her. That is to pay the car off for $3,900. But she had to walk out. She had to walk this thing out in a time of uncertainty. And let me tell you this. And she didn't know this. But several of us were trying to figure out if it got to crunch how we were going to help her get her car back. And I remember saying to the Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I don't need you to don't, do anything. Don't, don't get involved. I don't need you to do anything. I got this. Because you need to understand that even Just if like you, I got you, I got her. That's what he was literally saying. Because we need to understand that sometimes God wants to use us in it, but sometimes he doesn't want to use us. And what he did for her, so she must have sent me 15 testimonies yesterday. She said, I, she said, she said, I just want to drop by and tell you that God paid off my car. The last thing before she went to bed last night, she said, it's me. She said, I'm the girl that God paid off her mm -hmm. car. Do you understand what that does for her faith? For her to be able to say, God did this. Not Sean Strickland did this. Not FOC did this. God did this. It takes her faith to the next level. Stop aborting the faith practice so you can build your own faith. I love what Courtney said because he is our supernatural escort. Yeah. And he escorted her right on back to her car and she got it back cheaper than she could have paid it off. And now she knows that he is not just a way maker. He's her way maker. And sometimes we need to understand that we, we sing and we, we talk about how he's a way maker and he is. But more importantly, he's my way maker. He's my way maker. You used to say it like this. People need their own alabaster story. That's you, right. And the truth of the matter is you need your own testimony. But you don't get a testimony if you don't have a test. How do you get a testimony if you don't walk through something? So you got to understand that, yes, there are going to be times of uncertainty. There are going to be times of unrest in our life because Jesus told us it would be because he said in this world, you will have trouble. He mm -hmm. said, but do not be afraid. Do not fear. I have already overcome them. And if you are in me, you too have overcome them. But that doesn't mean you're exempt from life problems. You have to walk them out. And if you walk them out, the walking out process will fortify you to such a degree that not only will you be stronger on the other side, but what was meant to destroy you will become the thing you can now give praise to God for. And you know what's beautiful? Then what happens, this is why we have to walk it out. Financial challenges that would have shaken us when we had been married nine years, which we would have paused about when we would have been married 19 years, Baby, 29 years, that's a light thing. We like, we already know what God going to do. God wants you to grow that's up. That's why you need some tried and true testimonies. Tried and true. You need you some tried and true testimonies. I'm telling you, when you know what God will do, like literally the other day, I see Tanya's on here. When she sent out the message the other day about her daughter was back in the hospital, I prayed, but you know what I said? I said, God, you don't, you've already taken care of this. You already taken care of this. You done done this before. This is not new to the McCoys. This is not new to you. 
I, I'm praying because she asked us to pray, but I'm declaring it's done. It's already done. So I, I got up the next morning looking to see her post about how it was already done because I knew what God was going to do. I want to say this. We're going to get ready to give and we're second Corinthians nine. But I want to say this. You have got to get to the point that God isn't having to convince you every time that he comes. Right. Through. Right. And one of the reasons people need to be convinced every time is because in between times, they don't rehearse what he's already done. And you start thinking what he did last time was a fluke. God is not a fluke. God, did, this didn't just, all the stars didn't align so it worked out. This happened because God declared it was going to happen. Do y'all see what I'm saying? you got to get to the point. This is what I see with so many people. It's not that they don't have breakthroughs. It's that they don't record and remember. Yes. Them. And so what happens is, is that every time there's trouble, they're showing up with God like it's the first time he delivered them. So then the real turmoil is having to convince yourself again. Yesterday you had a shirt on that you said, if you stay petty, you don't have to get petty, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you stay thankful, you don't have to get thankful. That's right. If you stay in faith, you don't have to get in faith. The truth of it is the reason that petty people are so good at being petty is they think about petty stuff before it's an opportunity to be petty. The reason that thankful people are thankful is because they think about thankful stuff before it's time to be thankful. Right. The reason that people are in faith is because we stay in faith before we need our faith. If you really want to grow up in this season, guys, you have got to become a person that rehearses for yourself. The truth of it is. You don't want to learn how to swim when you fall off the ship in the ocean. That ain't, ain't, the, the, that ain't the time to learn to swim. You don't want to have to try to develop your faith when you get a bad doctor's report. You, don't. you develop your faith right now when everything in your life is going just fine. Here is when you ought to be developing your faith. When everything in your life ain't fine, you ought to be developing your faith. You need your faith developed so that when it's time to use it, you ain't got to try to grow it up. Now, I'm going to use an old song. They used to say, you can't tell it, let me tell it what he's done for me. Nobody should have to remind you of what the Lord has done. Yeah. When somebody try to tell your testimony, you ought to out tell it because it's your testimony. Mm -hmm. So 2 Corinthians 9, because we're talking about his supernatural provision and we've all experienced it. In the Passion Translation, it says, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form, every of, grace. form of grace. What do you need? Every form of grace. He's ready to overwhelm you with Overwhelm you with every form of grace. So that you will always have more than enough of everything, mm. every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Mm. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him because he is sown extravagantly and given to the poor. His kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundance Abundancy. for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. 
Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Sounds like seed and bread to me. Y'all ought to just meditate on this this week. That ought to be your meditation scripture. But as we get ready to give, I just want you to drop a testimony in the comments. I want you to drop what is your go-to testimony when chaos tries to show up. I ain't even got to tell the whole testimony. I can just say it, Jordan. I can just say, Carrette. I can just say, marriage. I can just say, business. I got some key words that just reset my whole life. Mm -hmm. What's your testimony? What is your test? Kristen said, mine. He regulated her mind. He's a may work, a, a, a way maker, a mind regulator. Tina said, I'm still here. Healing. Latanya said, hair. Joshua said, job. Sunitra said, my daughter. You ought to stare yourself up today. And I want to challenge you to be, a, to be an outreach for God today. Mm. Before the day is over, I just want you to testify on your Facebook page. Mm. I want you to tell the people about something God did for you. I want you to post it so that this time next year, if you happen to be going through a fight, you'll be reminded of the testimony you told about what God has done for you. So I want you before this day is over to get on Facebook and say, I just stopped by to testify. I got to tell y'all about what God has done for me. Mm. I got to tell you about what God has done for you, but then go ahead and tell the truth. I'm not just telling you, I'm reminding myself. Mm -hmm. I'm reminding myself that he is peace in chaos, that he is provision in financial trouble, that he is health in sickness, Mm -hmm. that he is protection in trouble. That our God is a good God. Now, I just believe you ought to do two things. If you ain't saved, I think you want to get saved right now. And you want to give your life to the Lord. Because you don't want to be out here with the devil because he is straight up a loser. You want to come to Jesus. And as your partner this morning, I know you want to sow. I know you can't wait Mm -hmm. to sow this morning. Because your seed this morning ought to just be a seed to say, I remember. I remember how good you've been. I remember how faithful you've been. I remember how many times you come through. I remember how you made a way out of no way. I remember the healing. I remember the deliverance. I remember this. Your seed today, when you give through Givelify, push pay, when you give through textually, when you give through um, tithely, when you give through PayPal, if you're an international partner, you ought to just put in the line. You're the, I remember. I remember how good he's been. Mm-hmm. I remember. Listen, I'm so stared up. That was a good teaching, Pastor. You gave us some great notes, and then the anointing began to work on those notes. And I'm telling you, we are a people that overcome. Now, I want to remind you that this Monday, I am having strategies for success, that Pastor Elwin isn't coming back until February, that church is now, everything is an hour early on Wednesday. Prayer is at 6, Ignite is at 6.15, and Pastor Ralph is at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, on Friday morning at 6.30, that's when the champions gather and we pray. And the next Sunday, we will be here for the huddle live at our Fayetteville location at 2737 
Old Wire Road at 11 a.m. And we would love to see you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't, for, don't forget about Project 2024. Okay. Those of you who haven't signed up yet, don't forget. Go ahead and sign up. You want to be a part of what's happening with Project 2024. Don't allow fear to stop you from signing up. We're asking every partner to believe God to be able to sow a seed of $1,000 between now and June 30th. That's even if you do it, even if you pay a portion of your pledge every single week. When you go to any of those giving sites, there's a fund there called Project 2024. There are people already giving every week on the end of the month of January. I'm going to let you know how much we already taken in toward our pledge of a hundred thousand dollars we've currently are a little short uh on the terms of the people who have signed up god said a hundred i believe for a hundred we already got them i'm just waiting on them to, to obey god we needed more people to sign up uh to be a part of this wonderful uh project 2024 that we are using to uh upbuild and strengthen our benevolence fund guys ask us to, to to sow into the community in a and an above and beyond way that we do it uh, in our normal line item budget for the year. And so this is what he's asked us to do. And I'm asking you not just to take the thousand dollars out of your checking or your savings, unless the Lord tells you to. I'm asking you to be a part of building your faith by being able to say, God, here's what I'm believing for. You just said it. He'll give you seed and bread. So let him give you seed. And while he's giving you seed, he says he'll multiply that seed so that you'll also have bread, which means he'll give you money to sow this seed and to put in your storehouse. Quintina, Miss Tina, we, they just put in the comments how to sign up. There's a Google form. You can go there and you can click. And it's also in the private group. It so is you can also on the regular it's Facebook page. It's on the main Facebook page. So both you can up. go there. Yep. Listen, let's get that hundred. Let's get over $100,000. Let's do it. But listen here, this 77 partners that have pledged $92,000, I want to shout y'all out as we get ready to go. I've been talking to pastors this week about their giving and I want uh, in their church. And I want to tell y'all, this is an excellent church in giving. Yeah. And that is the reason we're able to do so much for so many people, because you are excellent. When you compare our giving at the church of this size, we literally match with people who have 500 partners. Yeah. I want you to know that we that we can do this because you can do this. And we all do this because you believe God. Thank you for believing God. And I'm encouraging you if you are part if you are a person, and we were talking about this yesterday about the number of givers, right? We have we declare at Fellowship of Champions that we have 100% tithers and 100% of our people are willing to serve and do serve. OK, now on the road, we have many more people than we have who are living out that confession. So we have 500 partners have on the road. A little more than that. A little more. But we have 125 givers. Yes. But that 125, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because it's important for you to hear what, what, have, what you have in the ground that you can, you 125 in 2023 who gave consistently last year, what you have the right to call into your life. So we have over 500 people that say that they are partners. Mm -hmm. In 2023, 125 of that over 500 were actually givers. That 125 outgave what the nation says is the standards for a church of 500 people. Yes. Do you understand that? 500 givers. So basically this, our 125 givers, outgave 
uh, average church in the United States with 500 givers. I think y'all ought to praise the Lord for that. Yeah. If you if you a giver, that ought to incentivize you to say, Lord, I thank you for my harvest. I got seed in the ground. And that's how I know it's some millionaires in this church. Absolutely. Because you got 125 givers who outgave what the nation says a church with 500 givers ought to have. That's and that's why people are amazed that we can do what we do in terms of when it comes to outreach. Because even though even though our number may be smaller, what God blesses us with is far bigger than what some other people who are who have more people are doing. Now, as we get ready to go, I just want everybody to end. We still got 73 people. You know what I'm doing. I'm going to bless the people who stay. But as we get ready to go, I want you to say, we just getting started. We just getting started. Though our beginnings be small. We're just getting started. Our latter end. Now, for everybody who stays, here's what I want to decree over you. I decree and declare that this week is a week of increase for you. Amen. Supernatural favor. Yep. Supernatural provision. Yep. Supernatural breakthrough. Yep. And supernatural strategies. Yep. I decree and declare that any place yes. that you were stuck, that that stuck place is now removed. Yes. I decree and declare that any enemy that was standing in your way has become ashes. Mm -hmm. I decree that this is a week of supernatural progress. And the Bible tells me I can bless you because you blessed me and you blessed me because you stayed. Mm -hmm. And so according to the word of God, I decree supernatural progress, supernatural favor, supernatural protection, and supernatural strategy. You can go ahead and send them to me when you get them because I know you're about to have a testimony. So y'all have a great week. Stay Amen. warm. Be blessed. Be blessed. We Amen. love you. Be all that God's called you to be. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.